0: Hola, hola, caracola! Hi, Patreons! How you doing? How we been? This week, I'm bringing you a story about Gildendo that I kind of always wanted to cover just to go into it, you know, research, do my knowledge, expand my horizons, know everything about the story, as you do, as you do when you want to. And this podcast is really helping me do that, because I'm doing so many fucking cases for Patreon, or otherwise, Especially with these two mini things, legends, stuff, like, on the main episodes now. So I'm, like, every week learning new shit. And I fucking love it. So, a lot of you might actually, especially if British, know of a case of though Have your own theories. If you are clueless. This might be a great way to start. And, um, well, if you have your theories, let's see if they match the ones I found on the internet. Like, the most popular ones. Let's uh, just dive in. In April 1999, BBC journalist Jill Dando was gunned down in in front of her flat by an unknown assailant. 21 years after her death, we still don't know who killed her. How has her life contributed to the possible motives behind her death? This is her story. So, we're gonna start off with the murder. Around that time, Jill Dando was dating a guy. So, she has spent the night before the April 26th, 1999. She spent the night in his apartment in Chiswick. And, you know, she just went home the next day. And she was just about to, like, approach her door to open it when an unknown assailant just pushed her to the ground pressed the gun to her head and shot and nobody in the neighborhood even heard a shot so whether it was like silencer or the gun was just too close to her head basically nobody heard the shot and nobody has actually seen what happened until about 15 minutes when somebody found her and, like, the neighbor has found her, approach her, and don't call 999. Some of this material is from the video by Candle Ray, and she plays the 999 call, and it is the most British 999 call I have ever heard in my fucking life. Because this woman says confidentially, like she's like sorta of panicking, says like hey, somebody's died. She says like confidentially, I think it's real though. She's just well, so most like a polite fucking way it's like confidentially like don't tell anybody, don't release this. Listen. Between you and me, mm, <laughs> This is the only spark of this story, okay? I take what I get. So they transport her to the hospital and she's declared dead at 37 years old now they're obviously trying to like figure this out and the main thing that they do or can do is like get eyewitness testimonies interview like anybody who would have any leads before this case goes cold so they have this witness that said he heard her scream but like in a happy way like oh she was happy that somebody was approaching her So as in sort of speculating whether it is somebody that she has known and he says this was a six foot white male around the age of 40. Now, nothing really comes out of this lead because, again, her boyfriend was in Chiswick. Like, who was this guy if she was dating somebody else? You know, this never came to light. So, within the six months, they actually interviewed more than 2,500 people. And as during this time, she was working for BBC, but her main thing during this time was Crime Watch. Which, again, if you've ever watched Crime Watch, well, it covers criminals' victims, criminals' families, a lot of different cases. So, of course, somebody there might have known something, or somebody might have had something against her because of the way she covered their case, etc. So they also looked into 30 different people she covered on Crime Watch, but then they discarded this theory that it's anybody connected to this. Now, when I was listening to this, I was like, okay, but like, hello crime scene? Like, what happened with the bullet? Like, casings? What gun was used? Like, why is this not the first thing I'm hearing about? Well, because this was apparently not, like, the most solid, significant lead. Even though it led somewhere, and you hear what. But basically, bullet had apparently had some of, like, the gunpowder taken out of it. Again, that would have made it quieter. So, like, it wasn't even, like, the silencer. It was the fact I mean, I have no idea about bullets and like all of this shit, but apparently if you take some gunpowder out of the bullet somehow and then screw it back together, um, it makes the gunshots quieter. But then again, is there no more risk of actually killing a person they never developed this this is the only thing i could like find out there and before going to her flat like she stops at like an off license so there is cctv footage and it just shows like nobody's stalking her so it's not like some fan or like delusional person that is just around going around stalking her waiting her to get home now honestly this is pretty much it what i have for evidence So that one witness witnessing somebody approach her, like, minutes before the murder, and then just, like, that bullet information. That is as sad as it is pretty much it. And then the rest of it is theories. So let's go on to them. So the most plausible theory, and the theory that actually led to an arrest, like a wrongful fucking conviction, which I just find so bizarre in this case, is that among those tips and among those people that they interviewed, a tip came in for a guy named Barry George, who worked as the messenger at BBC. Now when you look at certain things, you can kind of maybe see like, how they connected, like, okay, this is the guy. But there, wasn't, like, there was so much reasonable doubt left. There is just nothing concrete connecting this guy to Jill Dando and the murder. I I just don't fucking understand. He lived half a mile from her house, okay? When you hear that, you're like, hmm, maybe that is, like, suspiciously close, okay? Had a history of stalking women. Not great for you, Barry, but again, we kind of established that this was not a stalker. He was denied becoming police officer. So he pretended he was. Okay, two red flags. As we know, a lot of criminals kind of try to either get into police or military. And then pretending he was, yeah, that is a red flag in itself. I'm not saying this guy shouldn't have, like, either served time or, you know, been convicted in any way, but not for this fucking case to this extent. And the most damning for the police was that they found undeveloped films. Let's <laughs> put, remember those? Like, in my family, we actually used to just, like, in order to basically max out the fucking films so that they can develop it at the shop, because you couldn't just bring... I don't know, back home, you actually couldn't. I don't know if in every part of the world this is the case. Yeah, please let me know. Basically, back home, until you used up all of the pictures on the freaking camera, you couldn't actually bring bring it to the shop to develop it might be more to do with cameras and technology than people actually saying no so um, yeah probably sounds stupid as fuck but hey they developed his films and he had images of women license plates and the weird one of himself like wearing a mask and holding a gun he also had pictures of Jill Dando like cut out so it's like just her and everybody else kind of in the pictures is cut out And now, what was apparently damning in this case is he had some gunshot residue on his coat, like inside of the coat pocket, so they make an arrest. They convict him, but the public was concerned from the get-go, as the only evidence was just like particle of this gun dust, which is not enough. And also, the defense was saying from the beginning that this could have been in that coat from like any point it's just like gun dust it could have been like somebody else touching the gun wearing the coat there was no like DNA of hers or anything connecting it to that like gun dust and this is so sad I fucking hate this defense but like I know it works but like I just hate it so basically he was released after seven years and, like, the media just shattered him to the pieces. And he was released because the defense managed to prove that he was actually not intelligent enough to commit a crime. Apparently, he had, like, intelligence, like, IQ of 70-something. Something like that. But I just hate this fucking defense, because like, no, he's innocent. Why are you ruining somebody else's, like, image? and Like, he's probably not gonna be able to fucking find jobs anyway. Why are you ruining any chance of that? And now, the best thing that has happened in this case is that in December 2009... Because the Sun, so the news group, newspapers, was fucking him over so much in the fucking news, he actually accepted a substantial amount of money for the damages that they have done to him. Following a libel action in the high court. I couldn't find how much he actually got from the Sun, but fuck yeah, good for him. Because the Sun is just the cruelest fucking piece of shit. It's not even worthy to wipe your ass with. Now, everybody's favorite theory, the theory of the Serbian hitman. Okay, as you know, I am from Serbia, but I'm gonna try and give you the unbiased account of this, because just this is, like, on top of the list. Wikipedia actually doesn't develop any other theory but this one. (laughs) Like Somebody really had it out for us, guys. And it is just so far-fetched. I was just, like, reading this and, like, not understanding fully how they made these connections, but hey... I'm gonna read it and explain it to you, okay? A bit of context. So this was 1999. This is when I was seven. And in Serbia, what was going on was the Kosovo War. I literally spent like months in the fucking basement because they were bombing the shit out of us, okay? So, of course, a lot of Serbs are not going to have the most blissful image of the Allies, so of NATO and UK and the US and what they have done to us. Not justifying it, but just saying that nationalists... Well, kind of still, to this day, hate, like, the foreigners for doing this, basically, and, like, providing help in this allied war. Because, well, like, everything was fucking ruined. They bombed us. Like, it was war and it was traumatic as fuck. NATO forces bombed the radio television of Serbia, which is our biggest TV station, well, today, as well. This was in Belgrade only three days before Jill Dando was killed. Now, this whole theory is based that it is because 16 employees of radio television of Serbia were killed, that Dando was killed in retribution for these deaths. So it's like journalist for a journalist, eye for an eye kind of justice. So apparently only a few weeks earlier during this war, Dando actually fronted the BBC appeal for aid for the Kosovan Albanian refugees fleeing ethnic cleansing in the Balkans. And it's speculated, this could have brought the attention of the Serb leaders. And this was apparently backed up by two events. One was the call that BBC's head of news then, called Tony Hall, received, which was a death threat by a person who said there were Serbian activists and declared that he had killed Endo and that Hall would be next. And the second was that an opposition journalist was Croatian. Slavko Churuvia was killed, like, was assassinated, actually, sort of the same way, in front of his home in Belgrade. And his wife, then widow, sort of said, like, she sees the similarities of the assassinations, and she thinks that they were both executed, and there is a link there. So what goes into their favor, let's say, is that usually these attacks are deployed in front of people's houses, in front of targets' houses, just because then they're most vulnerable and there is no case of mistaken identity because it is their house, they're going almost inside. And apparently that a bullet casing discovered the scene showed signs of crimping, which is similar to markings on Yugoslav ammunition. I mean, let me know what you think about this theory. I obviously might be biased, but I also kind of see it as very far-fetched. Also, the police dropped it, and I mean, if anything, at that time... Like, this was wartime, like, they didn't like us, like, they fucking... (laughs) contributed to this war literally NATO bombed the fucking half of Belgrade which like some of the buildings are still in that fucking state today so if at any point they wouldn't have dropped this particular theory this was then What somebody came in from Serbia like with the ammunition how would that have worked like what method of transport would they have come by like this is just slightly far-fetched because it's like a day's difference between the murders of radio television serbia and then the bbc journalists so like how would they have just like plotted this plan who like sent a hitman to london found her address as well like we don't have that much power back home to just find somebody's address in london in what a nick of time so for me it is slightly far-fetched but yeah i'll let you think what you want about this theory the next sort of, well, plausible, slash one of the biggest, most popular theories is that it is a gang killing. The gang killing theory is kind of like, it was the defense team's declaration as well, that her killing was a highly efficient hit. So they believe this person had to, something to do, might have had something to do with the gang because of the muffled sound of the gun, the clean escape, like, in broad daylight, this was like, morning, and the single shot that was just effectively used to kill her. So, an investigative journalist, Williams Thomas, actually said, investigating this case himself, that he believed Dando was killed by a professional on the orders of the London-based mob boss called Mr. Big, and that this was a direct bloody message to others, was supposed to say, do not take on organized crime. Now, this, again, is kind of like a one-man story. It's not like wildly speculated or accepted theory. Except that most people do agree with the first part of it, me included, that it was a professional hit. So it was just like somebody killing a person within a couple of minutes with a single bullet, knowing exactly what they're doing and not being spotted in broad daylight. And the last theory, which probably in the UK people hate or people working for the BBC hate. But, like, I've seen so many comments on this video of Candle Ray covering this case that I was just like, I cannot neglect this one. I mean, it is also out there as well. So, it is that she was about to expose Jimmy Savile. If you remember, Jimmy Savile has been exposed as a pedophile. So, she was apparently onto this, like, huge pedophile ring that involves celebrities, high-ranking police, judges, like, members of the royal family... And apparently, this theory is the BBC knew what she was onto, and because BBC is corrupt, that they made a hit on one of their own. So there's this whole theory that she was investigating this ring, and then handed a dossier like containing her findings to the BBC management. And the WBC killed her to shut her up. So, obviously, the WBC said it has seen no evidence to support this claim. And they were like, yep, uh, shove it under the rug. So, those are the most common, like, slash, most popular theories on this case. Let me know what you guys think. Now, let's go on to her background and see sort of where Jill Dental's career was when she was murdered. Jill was born into this family of journalists okay so this is like a classic great progression career where you're just born in like a family which loves and adores this profession and then you just strive to to be one of them as well so she was born in 1961 she was the daughter of Jack Dando and Winifred Mary Jane Dando so her brother worked as a journalist for BBC Radio Bristol and she will sort of follow his footsteps and follow a career in journalism Unlike me, where I would just like, said goodbye to the university and said goodbye to that degree. (laughs) It's like, I don't really want to work in the newsroom. Sorry, guys. I've uh, felt it on my skin for a couple of years and I don't want anything to do with it. But yeah, no, Jill, Jill was like, this is my shit. So she started as a training reporter for the local weekly newspaper, Western Mercury, where her dad and brother worked. And after five years, she started to work for the BBC. So she worked mostly for, as a newsreader, for uh, loads of, like, radio and TV news segments. And in 1988, she moved from the regional to national television in London to present BBC television news. So news bulletins that were airing on BBC One and BBC Two and then she moved on to crime watch so, so she was really like at the prime of her career, and it's like everybody I think like every journalist dreams, and she was only sort of starting to yield the the fruits of her freaking career because obviously like she worked her ass off for like what five plus years to like then again work and work constantly, get where she was, so she only basically kind of like enjoyed the lifestyle and everything for only a couple of years. And in terms of her personal life, she dated like a BBC executive, so for like seven years... Then she dated a National Park warden, and basically in December 1997, she met gynecologist Ellen Farding, like, on a blind date that was just, like, set up by a mutual friend of theirs, and they announced their engagement in the January of 1999, so their wedding was actually set to take place on 25th of September that year. So at the time of her death, Dando was among the highest ranking profile of BBC's on screen staff, and just like, think for a second, being a woman as well, at that period of time. She had been 1997 BBC Personality of the Year, and even Crime Watch reconstructed her murder in an attempt to aid the police to, like, look for the killer and solve the case. But the case still remains unsolved, so let me know what theory you believe, do you have one of your own? Let's discuss the motive, because basically it will kind of explain the theory that I have as well. In terms of motive, I put shutting her up So, like, definitely in my mind This is not a personal crime It's just somebody doing it, like, very Matter of fact, like, hitman style There's no emotion for it to be Somebody that knew her personally Or just, like, even a stalker kind of Theory and i'm not a profiler at all this is why i don't understand why the guy had to serve for 7 years for this shit when clearly that guy was well a stalker so like he had he had to have a personal motive to do something like this for the, for it to escalate and he clearly didn't now whether it's shutting her up about like exposing something or about talking talking about the particular criminal well that again we can just speculate on don't think it is bbc personally neither do i think it is a serbian hitman it's like i see them digging in like all the wrong directions like as you can see certain theories have just not been as explored as the others it's like why is there no evidence what came out of these people that they have investigated that she covered on crime watch or like their associates that are out and that could have easily done this but again, how did a person know exactly where she lived? That is my big one. So it is somebody who either has done this for a living, so does it professionally, and knows easily how to track somebody down without making it personal, or it is somebody that either worked with her or knows her from one of those workplaces. It is most definitely related to somewhere where she works for, whether it is BBC, Crime Watch. Whichever of these channels, because otherwise, like that's the one thing where I always come back to. How the fuck did I know where she lived? So that's it from me for this Minnesota this week. The sources have been Wikipedia, CandleRay Channel, and CrimeInvestigation.co.uk. Thank you, patrons, for your love and support. I will be with you next week, and until then, keep making the world a better place, one motive at a time. Bye.